Hello, and welcome to another episode of Special Ed Rising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, the show that speaks to parents and caregivers on topics related to the world of exceptional needs and related educational services. If you crave knowledge and support in a low-stress environment, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, and I have over 33 years of experience teaching kids and coaching parents, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Health in these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. In this episode, I want to speak about the occurrence of hoarding among people with autism. However, the topic and the solutions may apply to anyone attempting to cope with this compulsion. This is a challenge I've come across recently with some clients that has me adapting and applying strategies to help the families I work with. Hoarding is not uncommon among this population, and I want to share some things that you can do to manage it. Afterwards, stay tuned for a tip of the cap offering today's parent tip and my good news community share where you'll hear some positive news happening in the world of exceptional needs and related education. So dip your toes in the water and let's splash our way to another win. What I love about this profession is the myriad of issues that can arise and still challenge me in new ways. Because I was in the classroom for most of my career, there were scenarios that parents had to deal with outside of school that didn't cross my path. But now that I'm dealing directly in homes or virtually with moms and dads like yourself, I'm being presented with your daily challenges, and some of them are obviously upsetting for you as you learn your child and wonder what to do when these situations arise. Hoarding, according to the American Psychiatric Association, when referring to hoarding disorder, is explained as, people with hoarding disorder have persistent difficulty getting rid of or parting with possessions due to a perceived need to save the items. Attempts to part with possessions create considerable distress and lead to decisions to save them. The resulting clutter disrupts the ability to use living spaces. In the first example I'd like to share, A parent's been trying to manage her child's hoarding of clothes and toys and his need to take everything out of the closet and drawers and cover the bed, leaving only a small space for his body when he tries to sleep. We've spoken about labeling the drawers and closet with pictures of the articles inside so that her child knows where things are in hopes of reducing anxiety over the whereabouts. And by having the spaces identified when the clothes and toys are out, he'll know where they go if it's possible to get him to put things away. The thinking for this is that if it's known that everything goes in the same place, it will also reduce the anxiety of disorder. A problem arising from this approach, however, is that the solution is not satisfying the need to be surrounded by everything he owns that he must see and possibly even need to feel. Another suggestion was to try and set a time limit for allowing his things to be out and adorning his bed. This way, it's understood that there's a beginning and an end point. Built into this would be a reward system that recognizes cooperation in successfully putting away everything at the designated time in its designated place. This could include earning a small reward at the moment the desired behavior occurs, or by accumulating tokens over an agreed-upon time interval. For example, every two days, which can then be widened to every several days, and so on, as the behavior begins to improve, leading to a more meaningful reward. 
For example, if you decide that you'll collect tokens after two days of successfully following the behavior plan, then your child can get ice cream or something comparable. This can gradually expand to every four days and then expand again. You'll know when to increase the time between rewards when you see the behaviors change. Here as well, you can begin with allowing the clothes to be out for maybe 12 hours and then reduce the time frame after a week and then again as you witness the hoarding diminish. The goal again, as always, is to have the desired behavior without needing to reward with tangible sources, but that takes time, consistency, and patience. And know that this is no magic pill, and depending upon the severity of the behavior, there may exist other underlying dysfunction that may then require the intervention of a psychiatrist. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just where your child is. It's okay. From Autism Speaks, according to psychologist Mika Mazurik of the University of Missouri's Thompson Center for Autism and Neurodevelopmental Disorders, she says, Generally, professional help is needed when hoarding becomes so extreme that it interferes with a person's daily functioning. If you sense that this is the case with your child, I recommend strongly working with a psychologist or other behavioral health professional with expertise in treating compulsive behaviors, including hoarding. This treatment could include medication or cognitive behavioral therapy, which can help with the anxiety by helping the individual, according to the American Psychiatric Association, learn to discard unnecessary items with less distress, diminishing their exaggerated perceived need or desire to save these possessions, They also learn to improve skills such as organization, decision-making, and relaxation. During the time working with this case, I proposed the idea of attempting to recycle old hoarded clothes that the mom wanted to get rid of by donating them. The idea would be that the mom would select something of her own and bring her child to a donation facility and hand in the article of clothing to see how clothes are reused and modeling that it's okay to let go. Now, my idea was to donate clothes plural, But the mom came up with the idea of donating one article at a time, which is brilliant. And we decided on her proposal of taking an article of clothing each, one from her, one from her child, and one from a sibling, and each day driving to donate the piece. Now, I know that's not realistic for everyone, so you decide according to your calendar what's best and and schedule on those trips if, if you're interested. Afterwards, there'll be a reward, which, again, you can decide what's realistic and financially practical for you. This could be a choice of rewards that you decide on and offer to your child. Some reasons for the hoarding can be associated with anxiety and depression, the inability to make a decision on what to keep and relinquish, or the stress of not knowing how to organize one's space. These can paralyze your child and cause them to act out when you suddenly step in and try to get rid of things you know to be either junk or old or even dangerous. Well-planned strategies with a clear explanation of the cleaning and relinquishing process is critical to children and adults who possess an inability to live without things being a certain way. Including social stories is a great way to show a process and reduce stress. Modeling the behavior you want to see can be helpful. Have your child help you clean your room. Showing videos of cleaning up a bedroom or going to a donation center to see where clothes can go expand experience and understanding and possibly help to reduce the anxiety of losing an object when knowing it has a place and is not gone. It's not easy to know what might trigger the hoarding behavior, but by paying close attention to your child, you may notice that something is happening to cause heightened stress, anxiety, and depression, leading to your child turning inward and needing to secure their environment. 
From the National Library of Medicine in an article on hoarding in youth with autism spectrum disorders and anxiety in May of 2016, they state hoarding severity was associated with increased internalizing and anxiety depressive symptoms, internalizing behavior, and attention problems. Discarding items was associated with internalizing and anxious depressive symptoms. Hoarding decreased following cognitive behavioral therapy. Hoarding is different from obsessions. From the website clutterhoardingcleanup.com, they say obsessions are recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are experienced at some time during a disturbance as intrusive and unwanted and that in most individuals cause marked anxiety or distress. These thoughts attempt to be neutralized by performing a compulsion. Hoarding is the persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions, regardless of their actual value. This difficulty is due to a perceived need to save the items and to distress associated with discarding them. From mentalhealth.org, individuals with hoarding disorder often describe their acquisition behavior as a compulsion, experienced as strong urges. They feel driven to acquire the desired items and experience significant anxiety if they don't. A difference between OCD and hoarding disorder is that in hoarding disorder, the compulsive acquisition of items results in a pleasurable feeling. This is not the case for compulsions in OCD. In another example of hoarding behavior, I have a client who has a room filled with paper bags spilling over. The bags are sponging up the space, making it difficult to move around in the room and are a source of distress for the mom. The child likes to play school in the room, and recently the mother discovered that the bags are actually acting as backpacks for the students the child is pretending to teach. These bags will not be parted with, and any conversation about it causes resistance, and that could lead to a tantrum. Knowing the reason for things is a tremendous help, whereas with the first example, we don't necessarily know the cause of the hoarding. We have some ideas, but because the child is, for the most part, nonverbal when expressing the whys of her behavior, we're mostly left to take an educated guess. The second child is verbal and, and may be able to say or hint at what's triggering the hoarding. With this new information, I suggested that hooks be installed in the bedroom and cheap cinch bags take the place of a paper bags. Acknowledging that not everything can fit, the, the hope is that when the bags are presented as more realistic examples of school bags, the child will appreciate that and accept its capacity limitations. I'll follow up on this and, and let you know how it goes. As with attempting to harness behaviors of all kinds, it's important to pay attention to your environment and make needed changes that may be causing sensory disruptions in your child, leading to anxiety that may domino into different forms of obsessions and compulsions. Structuring your home is also so important in creating a safe and predictable space affecting stress reduction in your child. Structuring activities is helpful at redirecting consuming compulsions. And from the National Autistic Society, set boundaries. If you need to, set clear, consistent limits. For example, ration an object, the time a person should spend talking about a subject, or the places where they can carry out particular behaviors. Behavioral change is most likely to be successful and the person less likely to be distressed if you start small and go slowly increase time restrictions, and introduce other limits gradually. I see the toll taken on the nerves of parents regarding hoarding. I want you to be comforted knowing that this behavior is common and that there's a reason for it. Also, that there are solutions. If you can give yourself time to observe antecedent behaviors, you will have a jump on how to intervene best. 
If you find that the behaviors persist or get worse, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's out there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, and most importantly, you have the right to it. And if there's anything you feel I can help you with, please feel free to reach out. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. From the Center for Parenting Education, find a support system. When you find others who are also walking this path, you discover coping strategies, new resources, and support from the other parents who get it. You'll also find out that you aren't the only parent who feels guilty about their child's extra challenges or frustrated because life is so hard at times. Just knowing you're not the only one makes things a little easier emotionally. In today's Good News Community Share comes a story from Disability Scoop entitled Airline to Train Staff on Autism. As an upstart airline from the founder of JetBlue works to expand, the company says it will put a premium on better serving travelers with autism. Breeze Airways says it intends to become the first certified autism-inclusive U.S. network carrier. The company will train its frontline staff to deliver a safe and happy travel experience to individuals with autism. Specifically, flight attendants will be taught to identify and alleviate stresses associated with airline travel. Breeze Airways will work with Autism Double Checked, which helps travel companies to become autism-friendly to provide the specialized staff training. It's always been our top priority to provide a simple, accommodating, and reliable travel experience to each of our customers, says David Nealman, the founder and CEO of Breeze Airways, who previously started JetBlue. Combined with everything else we bring to the marketplace, this initiative will help ensure that our autistic guests receive a stress-free, and pleasant air travel experience. Breeze launched service in May 2021 with a focus on the East and Southeast US, but the carrier is widening its reach and now serves 30 cities in 18 states. Now that deserves a tip of the cap. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in and a pleasure to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button and or leave a review at the bottom of the podcast feed and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com. I'd love to have you share some of your stories, which I can add to the community share page of my website. And with your permission, I'd love to share your submission with the audience. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. (music) 